Welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I am Danny Simmons. And I am Kurt Norbit. And today we are talking about truth. The title of the podcast is What is Truth? We want to begin today by looking at John chapter 18. The famous question, what is truth, falls from the lips of Pontius Pilate as he stands before Jesus. John 18, beginning in verse 33, says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. And so there is where that question is recorded for us. Pilate trying to decide what to do with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has a few minutes with the Lord, uh, albeit with the pressure that's on Pilate and on Jesus. You know, there's, it's, not a, it's not a moment to sit and have a cup of coffee by any stretch of the imagination. But he does have time with Jesus. And he asks a very important question. What is truth? So it's a huge topic, as most of our topics are, but, but we want to look at a few things about truth that we will answer today, Lord willing. And so if you were going to t tackle those bigger chunks of, you know, about truth, Kurt, and, and how it relates to the world today, what would, what would it be? How would you start? Well, of course, this is a question that uh, man has asked probably before Pilate and certainly ever since. Uh, and it's something that Satan knows he needs to deal with. Satan is our enemy, uh, and so he needs to try to distort truth. He needs to try to confuse us about it for reasons that we'll see uh, toward the end of our discussion here. But one, one thing as we look at this passage that hinders us a little bit if we get hung up on it is we, we can't know from what viewpoint Pilate is asking this question. Since we don't hear the inflection of the voice, we don't, we're not privy to this conversation except the words that are being said. We don't know if Pilate was pleading with Jesus, you know, what, what is truth? Or just voicing frustration, which he could well have been, or being a pagan Roman, just being sarcastic and skeptical. What is truth? You know, what, you know, go away. So, but I think since the Holy Spirit did not record any of that for us, what is important is the question, what is truth? And so uh, kind of what I'd like to do with this subject is look at, first of all, does truth exist? Uh, if it does, is it knowable? Can we know the truth? And if we can know it, can we, can we see it when it's before us? Can we discern the truth in any particular aspect, and then deal with the question, why is truth important? Uh, Jesus seems to think it is, mm -hmm. and, and we'll notice that in a little bit. So first of all, does truth exist? And I always, as you know, and listeners to the podcast know, if we're discussing a particular subject or a term like truth, I like to define it. Uh, because you can talk to somebody at cross purposes right. if you don't agree on what it is that's being discussed. <laughs> yeah. If you're discussing truth with somebody and you're laying, laying it down and it's just bouncing off them because 
what you're talking about as far as truth is concerned is not what they're relating to. For sure. them, truth has a different definition. So, and that's true with anything, baptism, uh, the work of the church, what do I have to do to be saved? You need to agree on terms sure. that are, are being discussed. So what is truth? Well, the dictionary, uh, a secular dictionary, says that truth is the body of real things, events, and facts. Well, so what does that mean? Mm. I like what a uh, philosopher and apologist by the name of Paul Copan said. He said, truth is a belief, story, ideal, or statement that matches up with reality or corresponds with the way things really are. Mm. And in my own little way, I tried to summarize that by saying that truth is the expression of reality. Yeah. If you're speaking truth, you're expressing what is factual about real things. Uh, if I say, oh, Danny, you've got a Nike t-shirt on. Well, we can verify that real quick. You've yeah. got a t-shirt on that says Nike across the front. So I have expressed a reality. I'm speaking truth. Now, if I said, oh, Danny, I like your Adidas shirt. You're gonna look down at your shirt and look up at me. We got a problem. And go, what? Because now I have not stated a fact. I've not expressed what is real. I've looked at your shirt. It doesn't say Adidas, but I've made that statement. So there's nothing, there's no reality supporting my assertion. And now we have to, you're going to say, wait a minute, Kurt. It says Nike on the front. There's our, there's our basic fact. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're going to have a disagreement over that, it's a you problem. Because when I'm seeing Nike there, I'm not expressing that fact right. for whatever reason. Maybe I can't read or I'm trying to be deceptive, whatever it might be, I am not stating a fact. I'm not expressing the reality surrounding that particular subject, so I am not speaking the truth. But based on your simple example that you've just given, truth does exist. Yeah, it can you be have determined. a Nike shirt on. That, that is can be determinable. Yeah. yeah, and everyone else who wants to come and see or take note would be able to confirm that's what he's got on. That's just, that's just what it is. That's the truth about this particular. Yeah. If someone was uh, really concerned about this, and, man, they've got a dispute going, I need to find out what it's, what's happening. They can run down to the building, knock on the door, we'll let him in, and you yeah, well, Danny, you've got a Nike shirt on. Pretty easily verifiable. That's right. So, truth exists, yeah. and we've just illustrated it, the very simple. Someone might say, well, that's insignificant, whatever. It doesn't matter. We've just shown yeah. that a, a fact can exist that we can express, yep. and that's what truth is. It is with reality. Yeah, when I express that fact or reality, I have spoken a truth. So that brings us to really a biggie, and that is, is truth knowable? Is there truth that we can know? And really, when you're dealing with the idea of truth, we need to recognize and accept the fact that all truth is absolute. In other words, when I state, Danny, you're wearing a Nike t-shirt right there, that is an absolute truth. There, there's, no, there's no shade of meaning there. There are no other possible alternatives. That is an accurate statement of a real, or of a reality, a fact. So it's an absolute truth. There's nothing that changes that unless you change your shirt. Sure. But that truth remains. And I'll point out, it doesn't matter if someone comes in and says, well, I don't believe you're wearing a Nike shirt. And yet he's standing here looking at your Nike shirt. Whether he believes it or not, you're wearing a Nike shirt. And reality's in line with yeah, that. Yeah, that reality's not gonna change. Yeah. So that truth is not gonna change whether someone chooses to believe it and accept it or not. That truth remains truth, so it's absolute. And so that shows us, and it's something we'll deal with in a moment, that there's no such thing as relative truth. Mm. Well, you know, Danny, that for you, that's a Nike shirt, but I like to look at it as a uh, Under Armour. I think that's an Under Armour shirt. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, but you know, that's my truth. Well, okay, we got a problem here again. 
someone is denying a fact in order to hold on to what they want the truth to be. I cannot change the fact that you're wearing a Nike shirt, right. whether I say it's any other brand. That is it. And I can offer you know any kind of evasion or distortion or way to get around that, but I'm gonna have to deal with the fact that this is presenting itself as a Nike shirt. Reality still So I'm gonna have to try to redefine that or whatever. So if someone says, well, there is no truth. You know, they're, defined, they're denying the existence of truth. And people do say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to point out several uh, oppositions or, or contradictions or, or uh, denials of truth or presentations of another viewpoint that are common out there. Mm -hmm. These are not stuff that's just been made up. You can go to universities. You can read skeptical books, atheistic books, and whatever that deal on this subject, and they will say these things. Someone says there, there is no truth. Well, you can get into a big, long-winded discussion about, well, well, let's define truth, and uh, here's what truth really is. All you need to do is ask a simple question. Is that true? <laughs> the, the simplest thing you can use, you don't have to memorize a lot of counter-arguments or sit there and try to, oh man, he's throwing a pretty good curveball at me right there. What do I do with this? Just turn the assertion or the premise back on itself. Right. When someone says there is no truth, just ask him, is that true? If there's no truth, that's not a true fact. And if it's not true, then there is truth. If it's true that there's no truth, then there is truth. Yeah. Because, because that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that just shows how Yeah, so what you do is, is you... You show that the premise negates itself. Right. And it shows this person really hasn't thought this through. Generally, they're just repeating a mantra that has given them comfort in whatever situation they've decided they want to be in. Maybe frustrated, like you pointed out with Pilate. Just it's say, possible. what is truth? I mean, what is truth? I mean, you tell me yeah. what you think truth is. It's like we talked about a little while ago. It could be truth moves in different crowds, different associations with different people. Truth can change based on what room you're in. And we know, we know that we can feel that in the world we live in today. If you come into a room and you know there's these people have gathered together for a particular reason, it, it, they're already there because of something that they believe mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Whether it's truth or not, it was debatable. They, they think it's true. Yeah. yeah, and so when you step into that room, you've got to kind of come, come to terms with that and say, okay, where am I going to stand in this? I'm not sure this is right. Do I even belong in this room or whatever? But we can feel that pressure uh, because it's been it's, it's been believed at least, mm -hmm. and, and now asserted as truth. So truth can be investigated, then can it? Absolutely. Back to yeah. the shirt. Yeah. And back to what you can I, start looking at the Jesus. evidence. Okay, let me let me see what there is to support this assertion that Kurt just made that Danny's wearing a Nike shirt. Well, I can look at Danny and I can examine his shirt. And on close examination, I notice there are four letters with a swoosh on your shirt. And it's N-I-K-E, <laughs> which spells Nike. Yes. And so that evidence helps me to prove and verify that truth. It, you, can, you can look to see what facts support that statement. That's right. So... And as you said, when someone says, there's no truth, they may just be exasperated because they've heard so much uh, confusing stuff from the world that they've kind of given up. Yeah. Yeah. There's no truth. I give up, yeah. I mean, I hear so much stuff, and it's this guy says this, that guy says that, and they both bring out arguments to support it, and it's all just so confusing. I don't know what to do. Right. And so you... Even then, you can still ask that question in a loving way. Well, let me, let me illustrate something for you. You just said there's no truth, and you know, because you've, you're just kind of frustrated with the situation, but let me ask, is that statement true? Yeah. And that might help to break that fog and say, oh, yeah, I see your point. Yeah. And now you can work with something. You've got a foundation where, okay, maybe there can be truth. Yeah. So now you can go from there. Someone else might say, well, you can't know the truth. They might say, well, yeah, truth exists, but you can't know it. I mean, 
do you know everything? Well, no. Well, then you can't know truth. Well, you don't have to know everything to know truth. Yeah. I don't have to know everything in the world. In fact, I may only know one fact, and that is Danny's wearing a Nike shirt. <laughs> that's truth. So you know that's, all, that's all I need. <laughs> so I don't need to know how fast is the moon orbiting around the earth. You know, I don't need to know any. I don't even need to know, does God exist? Is there, a, a, is there right and wrong? Well, I don't need to know that to know that my assertion is true. Right. Danny's wearing a Nike shirt. Yeah. So when someone says you can't know the truth, you can just ask, how do you know that? Do you know that's true? <laughs> well, uh, if I know that it's the truth, then there is a truth that I can that's know. Right. If you know that you so, can't know the truth. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So what you're again, you're just trying to break that veneer, that barrier that's been erected, whether it's volitional or not. You know, Satan has built it up in that person's mind, and you're just—it's a quick and easy shot that will shatter that that barrier. And then you'll find out where that person's really coming from. Right. It's very similar to when Jesus asked the Pharisees, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or men? They knew the answer. That's a simple answer. Yeah. You've only got two options, and they saw them both, and they didn't want to take either one, so they bailed. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus said, I don't have time for you. Neither will I answer you your question, basically, because you don't deserve to hear it. In fact, if I answered your question, you wouldn't believe it. So I'm not going to cast pearls before They didn't believe the first thing that was obviously yeah. set before them. Yeah, so they don't have an attitude that's seeking. They didn't want an answer to that question. They just wanted to try to trip Jesus up. That's right. And so he revealed where they were coming from. And these questions will help you reveal where a person's coming from. That's good. Are they just sincerely confused and at a loss and they just don't know where else to turn well when you pop that balloon they can start to see oh there's some things i haven't considered here yeah i, I need to learn some more about this let's let's talk about this or they can try to evade it and come up with well, well you know you're trying to trick me or whatever then you know they're not really interested in what the truth is i like that part of it because you're saying, you know, you can pop the balloon, not because you're trying to destroy somebody in an argument, but you're trying to mm -hmm. evaluate where they are, where they're coming from. Right. They may very well be frustrated. They may have been lied to yeah. over and over and yep. over again. And they're saying, look, every in a, in time way, I start to believe in something. Yeah, they're, they're crying for help right. without you, even knowing it. If you can pose that simple question and see what the reaction would be, or maybe if you can lend a hand that, you know, from that point on, then it's still for their good. And I, I like that a lot. It's not just, here's a good comeback for people right. who say, it's, ooh, it's I can that. blow this argument up. Yeah, that's not, not that. It shouldn't be a confrontational, aggressive attitude. You're, you're having an opportunity to help someone, but you don't know what their attitude toward truth is. Right. So now you can find out, just like Jesus always did. He would just ask a simple question. Mm -hmm. And that will reveal the condition of the heart. And you'll know... Here's an opportunity to go forward, or I need to just move on. Yeah. This person not is not really interested. Yeah. Uh, someone, a big one today is all truth is relative. You know, it's just mm -hmm. relative truth out there. Well, is that a relative truth? <laughs> what do you mean by a relative truth? And, and usually they won't even be able to give no, you a definition. That's right. You're going to learn a lot about yeah. how much they understand. Yeah. Or the big one. Well, that's your truth. It's true for you, but it's not true for me. You know, Christianity is fine for you. That's fine that you like Jesus. I like Buddha. That's my truth. Well, good question then. Is that true for everyone? Right. So, and, and one illustration I heard someone give is when someone says it's true for you, but not for me, try that at the bank. <laughs> when you walk in to make a withdrawal from your account, say, <clears throat> I'd like to withdraw $50,000 from my account. And the teller looks it up and says, well, sir, you only have 1,200 bucks in there. Well, that's your truth, that's not my truth. That's right. Uh, I want my $50,000. Well, now we have a problem, because the bank teller is going to look at the readout 
and it's going to say twelve hundred bucks. The the bank teller doesn't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got a fact right there. The guy asking for the money he thinks he has has the problem. Yeah, his 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 relative truth, his, his what is true for him, is meaningless when the facts state otherwise. Right. And of course, no one no one in their rational mind is going to do something like that. But that's the logical consequence. If you think that through, well, it's true for you, but not for me. Well, go ahead and take that premise and try to make it operate throughout your daily life. Well, why did you run that red light, sir? In my world of truth, it was that meant go. Yeah. Well, the cop's going to say, good job, but the truth says, the law says, the facts say, that meant to stop, so I'm going to have to ticket you. It's just not going to work. Or someone might say, well... Yeah, there's, there's truth out there, and maybe you can kind of figure it out, but no one has the truth. And a lot of times that'll be confrontational toward a Christian. Mm-hmm. You, know, you arrogant Christians, you think you have all the truth, and everybody else is wrong, and so you just lord it over everyone. That may be the case, or again, it may be exasperated. Depends. You know, I, I hear so much stuff. How can anyone have the truth? Well, then you just ask the question, do you, how do you have this truth? If you can say, no one has the truth, how did you get that truth? Right. How did you arrive at that if no one can have truth? So, again, you know, it, all you have to do is, is turn these questions on themselves and you can uncover them quickly as not based in fact. Yeah. Uh, one last one that you get a lot, someone will say something along the lines of, there is no truth in religion. You find your truth in science. Mm-hmm. Science has the answer. Well, is that a scientific truth? <laughs> what scientific process, what scientific method did you use to prove that? Right. See, that's not a scientific statement, mm-hmm. on the, first of all. When someone says there's no truth in religion, only in science, you can't prove that scientifically. What that is, is a philosophical question. And so you have to, that has to be dealt with in a different way. But you don't have to go into, oh, well, it, it's a philosophical question, and here's what I mean by that. All you have to do is ask the question. Yeah. Is that a scientific fact? And let them explain. And then let them deal with that. Yeah. So that just shows there is a standard of truth. Everyone tacitly recognizes that, whether they verbally admit it or not, because you can't live daily life without a recognition of certain facts that govern our behavior. Right. Um, and you can know those things. I can know what, whether that light is red or green, and I can know what it means, because there are facts that tell me. There is a standard of law that tells me what those lights mean, and that tell me what what will happen if I decide to disagree with what those lights mean? Yeah. So there's no argument there. It just depends on how I want to face that fact, that truth, and what I want to do with it. So can we discern truth? Can we understand it when we see it? If we're presented with an option, if we're presented with something, can we see whether there's truth there or not. And I assert that we can, and I again will just say that we do that every day. When you go to the store and you buy something and you pay cash for it, the clerk gives you change. Hopefully, we count our change. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? To establish truth on your side of the deal that was just made. You want to make sure you got correct change. Mm Well, what if she says, well, sir, my truth is that I gave you the correct change and <laughs> you're just going to, you need to accept that. No, no, the truth can be found out in that moment. It, that's we, right. We have the paper receipt, mm-hmm. we've got the money in the hand. Yep. There's a little cash register over there that's telling you, you know, this is 37 cents change yep. and you're looking at that to verify it. Yep. Or if you go to a restaurant or you buy something and you get a receipt, hopefully we're checking that receipt. I've been mischarged at restaurants before, sure. yeah. and I've gotten wrong receipts. Yeah. 
And so you look at that and you verify that that receipt is correct. Well, how do you know it's correct? Because there's a standard there to go by. Uh, hey, the register, I didn't buy this box of cotton swabs. Oh yeah, prove it. Well, here's here are my the bag. things I bought. Yeah, yeah, here's everything in my bag. No cotton swabs, but I was rung up for it. And they'll gladly take it off. Yeah, and they will say, oh, my mistake, sir, and they'll deduct that. Yeah. But you're going by a standard which you can use to discern the truth of the situation. I have this set of facts over here. What I'm looking at doesn't jibe up with that. Doesn't, doesn't relate. There's something wrong here. Now I need to find out what it is. What is this that's not correct? Yes. So you can find that out based on the evidence and you can dis discern what is true. But what that means is in order to discern truth, you have to be informed. Like if I, if I don't even look at the receipt oh, or okay. I glance at it and I, hey, here's a box of swabs on here. I need to be informed that what I'm asserting is true. Right. And what that information is, my receipt. It's, it says something there that isn't so. It says that I'm being charged for a box of swabs. There is no box of swabs. Therefore, I shouldn't be charged. Well, see, I can't make a decision on that unless I'm informed. Uh, a a real-life example of that. I went into uh, an establishment and uh, paid some money for some stuff. And they charged me for something that's not even sold in that store. Hmm. But I didn't check the receipt. I didn't. I didn't think of it until later I looked at that and I go, they charged me for that. They charged me actually for something that belonged to me that I set on the counter. Oh, wow. Your scanner picked it up. Uh, well, it didn't pick it up. He just saw it there and he, he rang it up. <laughs> and, you know, so that was on me. I went later on when I went back to that establishment again, I pointed it out. I said, you know, you guys charged me for this and it's not even sold here but it's on me because I didn't catch it on the receipt. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't informed. There was a falsity that took place there, something other than truth, but since I was not informed, I couldn't discern it. Yeah. Once I got the information though, I later looked at that receipt and I go, what? <laughs> that belonged to me, they charged so, me for so it. you saw the reality. There's the reality, yeah. now I'm informed and I can see that isn't true. So, yes, we can discern the truth, uh, and we have to. We have to be able to discern truth in order to just make daily life decisions. Am I going to do this or not? Is it right or wrong? You know, should I buy this or not? Uh, you know, now that's going to be kind of a subjective thing, but maybe this thing says 100% guaranteed to relieve your pain. Well, is that true? I don't know. It's a claim. I can take it home and try it and see. Or I can, oh, okay, I know what brand this is. I'm going to go home and research this and find out whether that's true or not. But you can discern that. Yeah. So finally then, why is truth important? Well, in daily life, we've seen you can't rationally function without a recognition of truth and an acceptance that there are objective standards of truth by which we can make rational decisions. Yeah. The truth is not something subjective. It's true for me, but not for you, not relative. It is an objective fact that doesn't change whether it's accepted or not. Someone might say, well, gravity is true for you, but it's not for me. And they step off a 10-foot wall. Guess what? <laughs> The right. fact that they, that gravity was not a truth for them did not make it untrue. Reality will assert itself. It will. And then we're faced with the choice. Do I change my mind on this or am I just going to ignore the facts and blindly go on my way? That's I my just broke my, broke my leg <laughs> stepping off this 10-foot wall, but nah, that didn't, no, nah, there was something else happened there. That, that wasn't because of Some gravity. people do stay on it. They will. Regardless of the repercussions. And there again your questions will reveal that yeah you know your 
you're seeking truth will reveal if that other person is seeking truth also. Yeah. And some will continue to deny it to deny it to their own hurt, just as Jesus' enemies did. I, I can't help it. There, I, when I was probably 19 years old, I had a friend of mine. We were working together. We had a lunch break, and we went to a, a restaurant, a drive-through restaurant, fast food. And uh, you know, he and I are talking, so I'm not really thinking about what's happening. But he he places his order. I place my order, and he tells the lady when he orders it, he says, "I want extra Arby sauce with that order." So he pulls up. You know, she gives us the stuff. We pay the money. He looks in the bag and he says, hey, I asked for Arby's sauce. Like he's already upset because he'd made it clear over the intercom. And she said, I'm sorry? And he said, Arby's sauce. I want Arby's sauce. Like he's always yelling at her, right? And she mm -hmm. goes, sir, this is Jack in the Box. <laughs> <laughs> and both of us Oops. were like, oh man. <laughs> we're about to ask to talk to the manager. <laughs> and she's like, this isn't Arby's, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, but again, there's a perfect example of she knew where she worked. I yep. mean, her shirt said Jack in the Box, but he thinks he's at Arby's. And so when she says, we're not at Arby's, then reality. He yeah. says, he looks and he, he, he just laughed out loud. He's like, I am so sorry. Yeah. I was so bent out of shape that I, I couldn't even see the reality in front of me. Yep. And, and it happens to us, right? Emotions can cloud reality. But we both yeah. acknowledged this is clearly not Arby's. Yep. So, so then we're all in agreement about what's true. And yep. then we and we let we move forward. <laughs> we were embarrassed, <laughs> yes. But but we did move forward, and, and yeah. uh, we weren't upset anymore about not having Arby sauce from Jack in the Box. And there there it is. Now his his premise was false, right? He his premise. I want Arby sauce, and you didn't give it to me. Yeah. Something's wrong with you. That's right. Well, no, you're <laughs> operating on a false premise. Something that's not true. Go get the manager. You can't get Arby sauce <laughs> at Jack in the Box. You know. Arby's is down the street. Yeah. I go there. But like you said, there's there is a standard there by which that could be determined. We don't have any Arby sauce to give you, sir, because this isn't Arby's. And no matter how loud you yell. Yeah. You can jump out of your car and beat up the the teller that's there or <laughs> go chew out the manager or firebomb the store. <laughs> none of that is gonna change the fact no. that you can't get your Arby sauce here. It's not an Arby's. That's right. And it, we understand that. Yeah. And so it's it amazing. It's always amazed me that when it comes to spiritual things, it comes to religious and what is taught in religion, what people will take for granted in the physical realm, in everyday life, suddenly evaporates when you start discussing spiritual truth. They, they simply can't see to apply what they take as an everyday thing and and move it over here and make it a, and and make that application on spiritual truth. That's right. And yet you know, that's another thing that Satan has done to us. Can I say to you that I that Pilate proved that very point? You know, in the earthly he says what is truth. All right, I'm sorry, in the spiritual. Because mm -hmm. Jesus is speaking to him about spiritual things. So in a spiritual sense, he says, well, what is truth? Then the next thing Pilate does is he goes out before the Jewish crowd and he says, I find no fault in him. Yeah. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Yes. There was no fault in Jesus. And Pilate's mm -hmm. saying, he's done nothing wrong. So as he asks Jesus what is truth, he goes out to the crowd and tells them the truth mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. his own evaluation. Good it's just yeah. in the spiritual realm that having to shift gears, he's like, I'm not doing that. I don't have time for that or whatever his problem is. So there's the same issue we face with others who we're trying to study with about spiritual and godly truth. Jesus says, without any reservations in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the truth. Yep. And Jesus has laid it down. He's made no apology for that. And we should all, the whole world should be grateful that there is a way to the Father. Not that we found one we like better than that. Yep. He is the way. And we must come to terms with that reality that is given to us from heaven in order to be in line with what we're talking about, spiritual, the ultimate truth that will not be denied. You know, you know looking at judgment day and these greater moments when all men, every knee will bow. That it's The Lord's not going to say, do you want to bow now or you still need some time? You know, that those moments are over. God's going to present himself to his creation and we will bow. 
it won't be up to us. Every tongue shall confess. And so there's the reality again asserting itself. And so what, what you and I do and what Christians do when we share the gospel is come to terms with this eternal truth now because it's not if you'll bow, it's when. Yeah. If, if I say, hey, I've read this and the Bible speaks to me like no other book I've ever read talking about my heart, my life, uh, the intentions of my heart, it goes deeper than anything I've ever found. This is the truth of God. Then I willingly bow my knee because I acknowledge that truth. That's confession. Yeah. Then w when that great day comes, I'm brought in to be with him because I made the choice when I had time. You know, so I don't think people fully understand what they're arguing against when they say there's no truth or you have your truth and I'm, I'm gonna go practice this over here. No. I'm asking you to study scripture and to come with me because I believe I'm standing in the truth, but you and I can evaluate the standard together yeah. and come to terms with that. And we should be open to that. Exactly. If, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm off base somewhere and you and I are looking at it together, you could help me too. It's not that Absolutely. I'm impressing my truth on yeah. whatever you thought was right. It's that the standard is set before each one of us, like the receipt, and we both say, okay, I see the total, I see the end of this, and I see what's required of me. That's the truth. And now we move based on that standard, which is given by God. A great verse for truth is Psalm 119 mm -hmm. and verse 160. Yes. It says, the entirety of your word is truth. truth. Yep. Yep. That's a bold statement. If God is right, and you and I know that he is, then we can go to his entire word and find the truth. Yep. And that really deals with our last question. Why is truth important? And you have very well expressed that. Jesus had a lot to say about the truth. Uh, as he said to Pilate, I came to bear witness of the truth, which evinced that question that we've been looking at. But Jesus said, in answer to the question, can we know the truth? He said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth. And then what happens? The truth shall make you free. That's right. That's important. And like you just said, that truth is found in Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the truth. That's right. And then Jesus pointed out, and as you just noted from Psalm 119, Jesus in his great prayer in John 17 said, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your, your word. word is truth. That's right. So if we're looking for an expression of reality, an expression of the thing, the way things really are, God's word is it. That's right. His word is truth, and truth is the expression of the way things really are. Yeah. So if we want to know what's going on spiritually speaking, here it is. In the book. Yep. That is awesome, man. I, I love that. Uh, that's really, really good. You know, God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Peter, Peter tells yep. us that. And so someone who may be listening, maybe something that this kind of crossed their mind or they think about is, has there ever been a time? You know, can, I, can I go somewhere in the Bible and see a time where uh, truth was just like, well, this is your truth and this is my truth, that people were fighting over that kind of thing or just determining within their own home and known community that, well, we're gonna, we're gonna call this the truth. This is what we'll worship, this is what we'll do. The answer is yes. There have been generations before, the Bible records it for us and we can watch how it developed we can watch what it looked like in its existence, and we can watch how it turned out for those people. And I would recommend people to go to the book of Judges, hmm. because in the book of Judges, we're told three times, there was no king in Israel. It says in those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, a king doesn't necessarily establish the truth of God, but Samuel tells, coming out of Judges, when they say, we want a king like other nations, Samuel says, you have a king. Yep and you refuse to honor him. God is your king. Mm -hmm. So I like to remember that when I see that phrase, there was no king in Israel. In other words, God's been set to the side and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Yeah. The benefit of that is I get to do what I want. Yeah. And Truth you, is relative. Leave me alone, mm -hmm. you go do your thing, don't bother me because I'm yeah. doing this and this is where I'm happy or whatever. But again, we can watch how that unfolded and you get to the last three or four chapters of Judges and it is the most awful reading. It's ugly, yeah. Watching man and the way he behaves when there's no established, verified truth is awful. Mm -hmm. And we're, I mean, we're watching it now in, in so many different oh, yeah. ways and forms. We see it in our society. We can't trust the news uh, organizations <laughs> that present what should be truth or at least the objective, here are the facts. 
it can't be found in the news world today. And so that that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. But we're not worried about that on this show, and we never will be because no. men will always fall into the ditch when the blind yep. lead the blind. But with truth available to us, mm -hmm. we can know what's right yep. and we can move forward with that. Amos 8 in verse 10 says that God says there's a famine coming on the land. It's not a famine of bread or of water, but of the knowledge of the word of God. Mm -hmm. Famine, you yep. know, that, that's an interesting picture. And it, uh, just another psalm popped into my head. If, since God's word is truth, the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's right. I know where to go. The truth shows us the way, and the truth is right in God's word. So the individual has this to choose light. So we to have, use it. Right. We have to discern that truth, look at the evidence, and make the judgment that, yes, that is true. Then we need to act on it. Right. So it, the truth is there. <laughs> it's up to us as to what we're going to do with it. Amen. Very, very well done. I appreciate that presentation and kind of the, the careful thought process of, you know, does it exist? Uh, how can I discern it? Uh, can, can, I have, can I have the truth and be sure of that? Those things are so important to us because those are the building blocks. So when those conversations come up, then I'm, I'm settled. You know, I've looked at it and I've thought a lot about it and I'm concerned about you and your soul. So it's not Absolutely. a fight. It's not a fight. It's just um, let me show you what I found. It's been awfully helpful to me, and uh, I've been blessed in the process of studying God's Word. And now you can make a choice as well. So that, that's just a great thing for anyone who will have that conversation with us. Um, we got to do our questions. Absolutely. We need to find out the truth here. <laughs> <laughs> and how do we do that? By what Kurt answers or what Danny answers? Well, it depends because it's going to be my truth here. Well, it depends on how loud I yell it. Oh, this, this he is true. yells the loudest. That's right. That, that defines truth. Uh, that's what Joseph Goebbels said. If you say something loud enough and long enough, it becomes truth to the yeah. people. Yeah. And that's how Which easily we can be deceived. is a reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, our truth is based on standard. That's why we always provide a, a verse. That's right. So you give yes. me your first question. Okay. I'll give you my truth. <laughs> and then you tell me the and hopefully truth. Hopefully <laughs> it will correspond to the truth that is God's exactly. word. Exactly. We'll see if they line up. Okay. We read that the, the first miracle that Jesus did was, of course, changing the water to wine. What was his second miracle? What does John record as his second miracle in Galilee? Oh, okay, what does John record? Yeah, he, and he states this is the second miracle that he did in Galilee. It's, it's also in John too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, it's in John also. It's not in John chapter 2. Really? It's also in John. Because John records it later. He said, this also is the second miracle Jesus did while in Galilee. This is embarrassing. It shouldn't be. Well, I'm teaching the book of John right now. <laughs> well, you're teaching it in segments, though, and you may yeah, not have I'm covered this segment. I'm way past this. Yeah, you've gone okay. way, way far. Well, I know turning the water into wine... Um, but John 3, that's Nicodemus, the conversation with Nicodemus. Yeah, so, no miracle there. No, it's after that. Mm -hmm. John 4 is a woman at the well. At least it starts there. No miracle there. Not in the conversation. Man, I don't, I, unless, no, I don't know. Well, he did some things before he met up with the, uh, with the woman at the well. He healed everyone who was brought to him. Well, actually, this, this takes place after he meets the woman at the well. Okay, okay. Well, just tell us what it is. Uh, I, I am just... It is no the idea. healing of the nobleman's son. At really? Capernaum. Yeah. In John, wow. six, uh, John chapter 4, verse 46, says, Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. 
Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he had got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. household. Verse 54, this again is the second sign that Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Both of the first, well, the first two miracles he does are by his word. Yeah. One is there at the, the wedding where he just mm-hmm. says, just do this, and it just happens. Yeah, take, take this out to the feast. Yeah. yeah. And the second one when he tells the nobleman who his son is in Capernaum, mm-hmm. Jesus is in Cana of Galilee. Yeah, and he says, your son lives. Go he, had, way, he had to travel a whole day's time. Yeah. But they met him on the way coming back. So well, it, yeah, the further nobleman. than that? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So all Jesus has to... And amazingly enough, there was a Gentile that recognized that. The Roman centurion. Yeah. Sir, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but just say the word. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I do. That's right. I'm a man under authority, and I tell someone to do this, and they do it. You're under authority. All you have to do is say it, and it'll be done. And so Jesus marveled and said, I've not met such great faith, no, not in Israel. He took authority in the kingdom of Rome and applied it to Jesus' authority. Yeah, he he understood. Here's someone who has greater authority, but the principle is the same. All he has to do is issue a command. It's done. And it will be done. It is done. And he trusted in that. And Jesus marveled at it (laughs) and rewarded it. Such great faith. Absolutely. Even in today's time. Yeah. We've read the stories, but to be able to say that with confidence is just amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, question number one for you. Uh-oh. Joseph and Mary were not able to offer a lamb when they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him before the Lord. What did they bring as an offering according to the law? Two turtle doves. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm looking at Luke 2 and verse 24. Uh, it says that, Luke says, according to the law, they could bring a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, but... That's what they brought. They yeah. didn't bring a lamb. So, it, according, I mean, just looking at Luke's wording, it looks like it's one or the other, but two turtle doves is absolutely the answer. Leviticus 12.8 says if she's not able to bring a lamb, then she can bring the, the pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Uh, one is a burnt offering, one for her purification. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and that the burnt was, offering is a sin offering. but That was that, um, that allowance under the law. That's right. Uh, the old law stated, if you don't have a lamb to bring, and God recognized that this may be the case, here's something that I will accept. So a much simpler thing. Pretty easy to get hold of a couple of pigeons. or, or two, yeah. two, You could catch those in the wild. Yeah. And, and his own beloved son, that sacrifice. Yeah. his mother, had to bring the lesser of the two options. Yep. So poor that they couldn't bring the lamb. Yeah. Okay, here's my second one. Hopefully, maybe it's better than the first. (laughs) I I should have had the first. Um, Jesus used a couple of illustrations to compare that you cannot mix the old with the new. Mm. And those two illustrations are given back to back in uh, Mark, the second chapter. What are those two illustrations? One of them has to do with uh, Levi jeans. Um, My yeah, old Levi. Yeah, it was Le- they got him from the tribe of Le- <laughs> Levi. That's right. <laughs> he said the Levitical priests, the <laughs> denim jeans they wear. Okay, no more joking. It is you can't put a, a new patch of cloth on an old on an old cloth. Old garment, right? Old garment. Yep. yep. And you can't put old wine into new wine skins. Right. Or new wine into, into old, old wine skins. skins. That's right. Because yeah. the, the, it won't hold. Because the new it'll one just will, bust. It'll, as it ferments, it would expand. That bag won't stretch because it already has been stretched. It's, That's right. It's old, so you can't mix the old with the new. Yeah, see, you nailed that one. And tell us the verse. Uh, it's Mark chapter two, verses sixteen and seventeen. Nice. Mine was Luke two twenty four. I didn't. I didn't say that specifically. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's, that's a fifty. That's better than I did in school most of my time. <laughs> uh, my second question for you. The last question of the day is. Nadab and Abihu were the sons of Aaron. They offered profane fire before the Lord. What was their punishment for doing this? Hmm. That, that's always been an interesting thing to me because God had specified 
when you're going to light the fire on the altar in order to consume the sacrifice, you need to bring the coals or the fire from basically the altar of incense that was burning. Right. And that's where you do it. Well, they brought fire from some other source. Strange fire. And you'd say, you know, fire's fire, what's the deal? Well, God had told them what fire to use, and they brought something else. When they did that, God consumed them with fire right there at the altar. That's right. He said, fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. Consumed them both. That's Leviticus 10, verses 1 through 3. And it, in his instruction just after that, he says that you did not... Uh, you did not... Didn't glorify, glorify me, me yeah. and, and, and hold my name as holy. You know, it's that, yeah. that difference between common and holy. That those things were set apart, holy unto the Lord, and they took something common, from what we understand, yeah. and just said, this will work. And they took something that was common and treated it as holy, which is a violation. Mm-hmm. Only what God says is holy is holy. And the, the power, that principle, I mean, it's not something limited to Old Testament worship, as some might claim today. But that is a principle that God will only accept what he has designated. And too often people will say, well, this is as good as that. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, this, I'm going to do this because I think it's as good as that. Well, no, God said, that is what I want. This is not going to do. He showed it with Cain and Abel, showed it with Nadab and Abihu. And he doesn't, you know, someone might say, well, God doesn't do that now. Well, he's already given the example. Right. He doesn't have to repeat it. He's shown us, this is what I want. He did it with Ananias and Sapphira. Mm-hmm. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Well, people still lie to the Holy Spirit, but they don't drop dead on the spot because they should know better. Yeah. God's already given the example. He doesn't have to keep repeating that. He expects us to learn that lesson and do what he says to do. Get in line. Yeah. Very good. Good questions. Yeah, we did pretty well. We hope you did well also. Those who are out there, we we are so grateful for your listening today. We hope and pray. We always pray that these studies, as we sit down together, will be beneficial to all those who are here, uh, regardless of that time. If you've decided to listen to us and consider God's Word, we want you to know that you've spent your time wisely, committed yourself to things that matter, that are eternal, and that are true. Uh, May you be blessed as you go out throughout your day today. Serve him faithfully with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul.